Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I married a, a man who also grew up in the ministry, and um, we kind of just knew that was expected of us. And it's a very unrealistic expectation, but it's a very real expectation in ministry circles. And so when he started struggling with um, uh, depression and and really talking about it, um, we didn't feel like we had a place to turn to. Chrissy Lane Garland is the guest today with Pastor Paul Johnson. as She shares a very painful story of being the wife of a pastor and then losing her husband to suicide and what comes next for her and her small children. Welcome to the program, Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. I'm so glad you've joined us on Life Support. What we do in this program is we talk about Jesus and how he enters into suffering and trauma and how we can find a deeper relationship with him. And we talk about some, some fascinating topics and with some fascinating people. And today is no exception. We have with us Chrissy Lane Garland, who's a licensed professional counselor, a certified trauma specialist. She's also an author and speaker. And Chrissy, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you all for having me. It's great, it's great to have you. And you've got a story, like many of our guests, that's not an easy story, but it's led you to a place where you're able to help others. Tell me how you began doing what you're doing now and, and what led up to that. Wow. Well, I'll try to tell you without it being too long, but um, I was called to be a professional counselor over 10 years ago. So I've been in practice for over 10 years and I grew up a pastor's kid and my dad is still a pastor to this day. And I met my husband in seminary and uh, he was in the pastorate for eight years. And um, we kind of just lived the life that we thought we'd always um, had dreamed of, and we got married, and we served in ministry together. But um, as we all know and experience, life isn't perfect, and so uh, we really struggled in the ministry. And my husband um, struggled from pastoral burnout, but he also struggled with mental health issues. He had depression, anxiety, uh, which also led to chronic pain, and that led to cancer and addiction. Um, which made it very hard to stay in ministry and continue to minister with all those struggles. And, um, and even as a professional counselor, I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to um, help him to the fullest um, amount that he needed. And um, in 2019, my husband actually ended up taking his life. And uh, it was just a shock that someone who loved the Lord so much, someone who had done so much in ministry also carried so much pain and heartache. And, um, and it was difficult for me to experience all of this because we loved ministry. We loved the Lord and we were very much so hurt by what we went through and didn't really know where to turn. We had all the answers, but didn't know where to turn. And as a counselor, it was embarrassing that I couldn't help my own husband. And I had all the knowledge um, to help someone struggling with those issues. And so when he died, um, of course, just overwhelming grief um, came over our home and, and we have two children 
they are twins. They were one and a half at the time when he died. And um, I just felt like the Lord leading me to continue on with church ministry, to continue on with uh, ministry through counseling, but to really help in these areas where we needed help and to grow in my education and knowledge to help other families who are struggling in silence like we did. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm very sorry you've had to um, deal with that. It's not very long ago, so you're very brave to talk about it. It's, it's troubling that you had to suffer in silence. And I know that's the case with um, church, maybe churchgoers in general, but especially for those in ministry. It doesn't really feel safe to open up about that. Can you talk about what that was like and why you suffered in silence? Absolutely. Um, I'll start, you know, I said I'd grown up a pastor's kid. And even though I was in a, a, a healthy church, a healthy family, you kind of just learn to, to keep things to yourself and, and not to talk about things you struggled with, not to talk about things that went on at home and I think that's true for a lot of pastoral families, a lot of ministry leader families. And um, I married a, a man who also grew up in the ministry and um, we kind of just knew that was expected of us. And it's a very unrealistic expectation, but it's a very real expectation in ministry circles. And so when he started struggling with um, uh, depression and and really talking about it, um, we didn't feel like we had a place to turn to. More from Pastor Paul and Chrissy Garland in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And we're excited to announce that musical artist Sarah Groves will be performing as a benefit of Life Support Resources. The date is February 24th and tickets are now on sale. If you're in the Twin Cities area, you can link to the tickets at fivestonemedia.com. Spell that out, fivestonemedia.com. And now back to today's interview and Pastor Paul. And we felt like maybe this was a spiritual issue. And um, because somewhere inside of us, we felt like it had to be, right? I mean, yeah. um, we're struggling. So we have to get right with the Lord. We have to do something different. And so we lived in that cycle a while, like, what do we need to do different? And he um, just worked so hard to try to do everything right, to try to please everybody, to try to keep this in because the fear is there. If you struggle with these, these type of things in ministry, then you're not equipped to lead other people. And so if it got out, if he, if um, his leadership found out that he would immediately most likely lose his job and then lose his livelihood. So the unfortunate thing is, is by keeping it in and this belief that we could fix it, um, it just became worse and worse within him and started manifesting itself physically. And um, he began to isolate and, um, and I was right there alongside of him. You know, the fear of people finding out that my husband struggled with addiction and depression and bipolar and all these things that we were suffering in silence about. Um, our fear was that we would lose our livelihood in ministry if these things were, were talked about. And a lot of time that's true for people. Um, and when it did get out, we did, he did lose his job. Wow. 
Chrissy Lane Garland is my guest, and uh, she's telling her story, and we're going to talk a lot about mental health and so forth in our time together. Why, why would he lose his job for that? What is it about this evangelical thing that we live in that would cause us to let somebody go because they're struggling mentally? Like, what is, what is the overriding principle that people base that kind of stuff on? I think it's the belief system that if you're struggling mentally, automatically it's a spiritual issue. You know, if we're struggling physically, that's a whole other issue. And so when, when my husband had come out that he had cancer, everyone rallied around him. Sure. But when it came out that he struggled with depression, anxiety, and that in turn turned into addiction and there was no one to be found in those moments. <laughs> and, um, I think it's just the belief system that, um, mental illness is not like physical illness and mental illness is a spiritual issue, but also I think it's that pastors and, and leadership positions don't know how to handle it. And so it's easier to sweep it under the rug or, um, to pass it off than it is to get down in the mud and learn about something, acknowledge we don't know everything as pastoral leaders, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but that we're willing to show grace in areas that we don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. um, and that Jesus' love extends even to the pastor yeah. and their as a, struggles. As a therapist, I mean, how much of these mental health issues that we experience, and, you know, I'm right there. I mean, I've got my own set of issues somewhat based on the things that have happened in my past and, and trauma and things like that. Um, how much of it is um, a real physical thing going on in our brain that just needs to be treated like I would if my arm was cut open or something. I mean, is there any real difference there? Well, I think, and, and from my research, from my experience as a counselor and as someone who struggled and someone who loves someone who struggled so much, I think there is an ailment in the brain. I think um, science is proving more and more that of how, how our, our brains are so powerful and, um, and function. I mean, it's part of our body. It's part of how God created us. Mm -hmm. And it's also a part of this broken world that we live in and our brains are affected. Our bodies are affected. And we need to understand that, um, our brains can be affected just like our muscles and, um, just like diseases affect our bodies. Our brain can also have diseases that affect um, our bodies and our behaviors and our actions. And, and I want to be clear, that's not an excuse to go do anything, but I think I it needs to be acknowledged that that in most cases of people who have been diagnosed with these things, it is a brain issue and therefore it's a body issue. Yeah. So we don't, um, you know, we don't know where your husband worked. You're safe as far as we don't know names. We don't know anything about the situation. So what do you wish those leaders would have done? Well, and I'm, I'm going to be very honest. There are consequences to behaviors acted out from mental health, mental illness and addictions. And um, because my husband had hit it for so long, it had gotten to a point where he needed help. Um, he needed to step away from ministry for one of those positions. And 
in doing so, I wish that that specific church body would have loved us through it. They, they um, applauded him and loved him through cancer, but the same week turned their backs and um, took away our home and our insurance and um, didn't want to help. And I, I don't think they're awful people. I, I, I think that they just didn't know how to handle one of their pastors struggling with something as severe as addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and we were kind of this, this place we loved and we gave our life to serve because of the God we loved and the God we serve um, turned our backs on us. And we didn't know how to handle that. It was very painful. Um, and yes, my husband needed consequences and he needed healing from addiction and understanding his mental state and getting help for the different things he was experiencing. But I believe not just in our case, but in all cases, the church should be the ones that even if they don't know what to do to stand by that person, especially when it's their, one of their leaders. Yeah. So it wasn't for you. It wasn't so much for you that the consequences were real and the church needed to take action for you. It was baffling that all of a the sudden these people that you thought were in your corner were no longer in your corner, right? Would that be a fair way to say it? Yes, yes. When, you know, I I often tell the story, you know, one week I was leading worship from the stage and the next week I was told to turn around and leave. And that's just not what the church is. It's not what the church should be. And I don't, even though we're all human and, and we make mistakes and we make human choices, the church should always be loving and accepting even of our pastors who have struggled. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Chrissy Lane Garden. She's Garland. She's sharing our story and her story. She's a licensed professional counselor, a trauma specialist. She's also, also an author and speaker. And um, you can also uh, get a hold of her on ChrissyJoy.com. So this opens up a whole kind of an area of, um, I'm going to talk to pastors who are listening now because um, we have this weird club, our pastor's club, and, you know, when we go to coffee together, we kind of talk the same language, and um, there's a few that you can develop relationships with. They're, They're almost safer because they're usually in different churches and outside of the sphere that run around in. But I know for me, I'll get up in the morning at times, and I will experience just a, a heaviness, a darkness, uh, a hopelessness. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where. Um, I don't know why it's that particular day or that particular week. I same prayer, same devotional thing. But then when I go to work, it's like, "How you doing, Paul? I'm I'm I, I'm good. I'm great. How are you?" Because I don't feel like I can say. You know what? I'm I'm really struggling. So so, how can we make? I guess this is a strange question, but how can we make churches safe for their pastors? How can we make pastors safe in their churches to be themselves to to share? I am struggling. I need help. Is it the board? Is it colleagues? Do you think, or is it kind of all of the above that need to 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 learn more about this? Mm-hmm. And that's the big question. I think um, so many of us are trying to figure out is, okay, this is becoming more of an issue now that a lot of pastors are taking their lives and 
um, you see the pastoral dropout rate just rising. Um, and so this question is being asked, and I think it's a great question to keep asking because as long as we're having these type of conversations, then we are talking about it. We're trying to find a solution to it. We're trying, we're acknowledging that this is an issue that needs to be addressed and an issue that um, requires change. And so if I could give you a one, two, three on this is yeah. how we need to change it. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the first thing is, is to have these conversations of, okay, this is an issue. And really it takes one church at a time acknowledging that the shepherd needs shepherding as well. And that we are not too good to need help and that we are not too far above um, what we teach because we have no problem teaching this and practicing it with others, but we don't apply it with ourselves as pastoral leaders and ministry leaders. We don't apply it as, um, uh, to our church staff. And I think just having these open conversations and saying, we want to change the culture amongst church leadership to say, this is a safe place. If you are struggling, we will not mm-hmm. abandon you. We will not get rid of you. Um, but we will walk alongside of you and help you. And I meet with pastors all the time. Uh I meet with pastors all the time and pastors, families who just live in fear that if anything they struggle with or are going through at home um, gets to the, the deacons or to the committees or to the elders that they will lose their job. And it's not just a job to us. It is a livelihood and it's, it is an identity. It's a calling. And that is so devastating to think of that, that people would rather sit in silence than talk about it. And we need to change that culture within our church leaders. Yeah. And I think what uh, lay people sometimes don't understand about uh, pastoral ministry, and I'm in no way trying to play the martyr here because you know, I'm blessed and, um, you know, fortunate and all those things. And, and But when we are fired or when we leave a church, um, our entire friend group, our kids' youth group, um, where we go to church, what we do, who, you know, it's gone. It, 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 it changes. It's not like we can go from, I work at a bank, so I'm going to go to a different bank. That's hard. It's hard to change. It's hard to change jobs. But my church community is all there. It's all still there. I can still go to the same Bible studies, and my kids are fine. Pastors don't have that luxury. You can't stay in the church. You have to. Your family suffers along with you. And I think for me, that's almost a bigger fear than. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can find a job somewhere. But it would uproot everything, and that that's a bit terrifying, to be honest. You know, and so I think for me, I have to not live in fear for one thing. So it's partly my responsibility because I have to trust that God is going to whatever happens. If they look at me one day and say, we don't want you anymore, God's going to say, don't worry. And I think I have to be willing to share some of this from the pulpit. I need to be able to 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 step out and say, listen, you know, we're talking about this text. You know, I'm right with you on this. This is how I feel. This is what happens with me. This is what's going on inside of me. And take that chance because if we can, if we can talk about it a little bit, then people will start being able to receive it a little bit. 
But if we never talk about it and it comes out of the blue, then it'll be very difficult for people to receive that. And I think we can get there at some point. I hope. Yes. And, and I, I love those, those two things that you had given, like number one, don't leave, don't live in fear. And, and that's easy to say and hard to live yeah, out. Oh, um, it's, yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's, it's so biblical and, and it's about trusting the Lord and, um, and it's so hard for us as ministry leaders to admit, um, cause we preach it and we teach it and we encourage the people that we teach to, to do this. But again, when it comes to our own life, it's so hard to apply because mm-hmm. you can say, I can trust the Lord and hold this in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we limit, we limit God, but we're, we don't limit him when we're teaching it, but we limit him when we're living it in our own life. And, and the second thing, um, what was the second thing you had said? Um, Talking about it a little bit from the pulpit or in different settings around the yes. church. Yes, like creating that that culture of compassion, of conversation to just open up, talk about it, and not share every detail of it, sure. but um, to allow the Lord to work in your struggles and use your struggles and um, his redemptive work. Um, to create that culture within your church. I think pastors are afraid to talk about themselves, not, and not just from a uh, transparency perspective, but from a pride perspective. Like, I don't want my sermons to be about my hunting and camping trips, and um, which I don't do either, so it wouldn't be. Um, but um, many times um, I'll, I'll be weighing, okay, um, you know, we, we lost a son, and this is a perfect time for me to talk about that. It fits the text. Should I? Shouldn't I? I don't want this to be about me. And I'll often say to my wife, you know, I, I feel like I'm talking about that experience too much. And she'll say, you know, you don't really talk about it at all. But that's, the, I think, a dilemma, too, that people are, are mulling through is how much about me does this, do we want this to be? Because naturally, a pastor that wants to be a servant leader, doesn't want it to be about him. He wants it to be about Christ and he wants to, you know, to, so, but I think we have to be free to, I think we have to put that aside and say, if the Holy Spirit's leading us, we just got to go for it. And, and if the Holy Spirit pulls us back, fine. Um, But if the congregation never hears this stuff, how are they going to, how are they going to allow themselves to heal? Because I'll guarantee you they're out there. I don't know what the stats are. You can probably name them, but probably at least half the people you're preaching to are struggling with some form of mental illness. And so, yeah. And so anyway, that's, I'm done preaching now because um, I'll be preaching again on Sunday. I'll be back here again. Um, So, so Chrissy, I'm I'm so sorry that you've had to go through uh, these experiences, but obviously God is, is using you now to, to give wisdom back to others. And, and I really appreciate your courage. Um, Tell me what, how to get a hold of you. What's on your website uh, what kinds of things are you offering uh, there? Yeah, um, how to get a hold of me? Well, you had mentioned my website. It's it's chrissyjoy.com. And just to give a little bit of background, it, it's it's not this big professional website. It actually started with me and my sister in law. I was so uh, burdened about things that we had been through. I was angry that my, um, husband had to die the way he died. I was, um, overwhelmed with grief and, 
yeah. one of my outlets was just to write. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my sister-in-law said, let me create this blog for you. Just write, just write what the Lord puts on your heart. And honestly, what, what came out of my heart, I just wrote and put it on there. And then people started reading it and reaching out and told me how they related to it and also shared how they chose not to take their life because of that. And they chose to tell their story. And so you can reach me that way. Um, I, I do, I do speak. And so a lot of times people will reach me through my website, but, um, it really is just some of my grief journey and talking it through. Um, I also work for an incredible organization called care for pastors and I'm, I'm one of their, uh, counselors, life coaches there. And, uh, we have several others, but we just provide resources and counseling for pastoral families. And that's another way if you're a pastoral family who's struggling and need a safe place to talk to someone, you can go to careforpastors.org and, and reach us that way. But um, those are probably the two best ways to reach me. Okay, sounds good. Chrissy, thanks so much for being with us. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and remember, if if you're thinking to yourself right now that you, you've got some of these things going on inside of you and you're alone and nobody cares and you can't talk about it. Remember 1 Peter 5.10, and the God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while with himself restore you, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So you're not alone. There are other believers who will come around you. God cares. And uh, I want to thank you for listening. Thank our partners, Faith Radio, MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a, a visual part of this podcast at MyFiveStoneMedia.com and Ridgewood Church at MyRWC.org. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.